We're your biggest critic podcast. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope it was restful and just what everybody needed. I know I needed that. School's ramping up, but podcasts are still coming in. And I'm super excited about this guest this week. She's a sweet friend. We've like known each other since freshman year, but recently reconnected through our Bible study, which I did not go to today. And I'm the one who wanted to push it back. But anyway, (laughs) you know, that's my crazy life. Everybody give a warm welcome and a big round of applause to Emma Balicki. Yay, Emma. Hello, hello. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. That was a really sweet introduction. I'm so Um, excited. (laughs) Yeah, so my name is Emma. I am a senior at NC State. Um, I am terrified to graduate. I cannot believe it's coming up so soon. Um, But I'm studying marketing and international studies. And then I also work in ministry at high school in Holly Springs High School, um, at Holly Springs High School. So that takes up a big part of my life. Um, But other than that, yeah, I love hanging out. love Bible study with Maddie. Um, you didn't miss much today. Don't worry. <laughs> we, they brought us Krispy Kreme donuts. So that was nice. Ashley called me and goes, Hey girl, you coming? And I'm like, and then like it's 8, 12. I'm like, there's no way I can come. <laughs> no, you were good. You were good. Um, it was really just a relaxed one today. So no worries. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, well, this week we're going to be talking about Emma's journey on mental health and how Christians and the Christian community might have some stigmas around it and how others perceive mental health in their communities. Um, so we're going to get started. It's kind of like a question answer, just a flow of a conversation. I hope you guys really loved the last podcast. Um, it was with Taylor Sutter and we talked about the school system doing better. And so I'm really excited for this one because it's kind of like community let's do better. Um, so we're kind of on that path with the new year. I'm hoping to see some really big changes within the mental health community. And with us, it starts with us and I'm really excited to see what we can do for our communities through um, advocating for mental health and others. So our first question is, how would you describe how you first started your mental health journey? Because everybody's journey looks different and everybody starts and ends and some people's journey doesn't end. They will have their mental illness for the rest of their life, but some um, it goes away through counseling, medicine, or just on its own um, organically. So how would you say you started your mental health journey? Yeah. Um, well, and I first, I feel like I have to preface it with, um, and you kind of, you kind of did a great introduction, but I feel like when we first talked about doing this, I like laughed a little bit because I was just like, I am like the most unqualified person to do this because I probably believed every stigma in the book, um, when it comes to mental health. And so I would say that I am most definitely like in the middle of it, in the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like this longtime advocate. I wish I was. Um, but I think, but I think that like being like in the process can like hopefully provide a lot of insight and hopefully be relatable to some of your listeners. Um, but I would say that in high school, um, I always was just a really anxious person. Um, a lot of who I was in high school was performance-based. And so it was just a lot of grades. It was a lot of, um, I played softball. And, and so it was just like any extracurricular that I could get involved with, I wanted to be the best at that. And so um, I just put a lot of pressure on myself and all of it was kind of leading up to college. And so high school was just like, 
this crazy anxious filled time because I was constantly worried about my future I felt like if I didn't get into a certain school then I wasn't going to be mm -hmm. successful and it was just it was a lot um but I wouldn't say that I had a word for it or like necessarily a name for it um kind of a funny but like really sad story when I was um a freshman in high school, I was in my like earth and environmental science class. And, um, and this is probably like the first time that I realized that maybe like I wasn't okay. And maybe like I actually was struggling. And that was, we were like working on this project and I had to re-glue something down like, like 15 times it felt like. And I was with my best friend at the time and we were like sitting there and uh, immediately like, it was like a flip had or switch had flipped and I like immediately was like running to the bathroom like I had tears in my eyes I was like panicking I couldn't catch my breath and like again like I didn't have a name for it at the time but like that probably was like most likely my first panic attack and yeah. it was because I glued something down wrong and as like juvenile and like as silly as it might sound like that was kind of like triggering for me and that was like okay I need to take a step back um but I still think in high school I put it on the back burner um I still well, think perfectionism that I, is part of it. I know right. I have generalized anxiety and in high school, I was kind of like the same way. Like if I didn't have a plan, I would freak the freak out. And yeah. like looking back on it, I'm like, dude, like live your life. But like your anxiety makes you feel like the anxiety is in control, not you. So right. then anxiety was so in control during that project that, oh, one thing wasn't glued on then like the whole project was ruined, you know, your mind just right. goes from zero to 100 with anxiety and yeah, and other mental health uh, or mental illnesses. But um, yeah, that probably was your first panic attack. And yeah. you didn't even realize it. And most people don't because mm -hmm. no one knows what it is because in high school, I felt like our generation didn't talk about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, definitely I think we get into it a little bit later but like it definitely yeah. wasn't talked about in my house um and I don't I don't blame anybody particularly because it just wasn't something that like I feel like society told us to talk about and so um so yeah I definitely did not have a name for it I didn't know what was going on and I think once I got to college um like I said college was kind of like the end-all be-all and so once I got there I feel like some of the performance anxiety like went away a little bit. Um, and I was like feeling, I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling on top. Um, I still like wanted to do really well in school and I still cared a lot about that, but, um, but I do feel like some of the performance went away. Um, but like did not mean that life was perfect. I still think that there was anxiety in different ways. It was, you know, sometimes it was socially, sometimes it was just, um, like I was always wondering what people thought of me and it was just, it honestly felt all consuming, um, and then actually my spring semester, my freshman year, um, I lost somebody that I really cared about to suicide. And I think as hard and as painful as that it is to say, I think that that was kind of like the turning point in like my story when I realized that not only is this world really broken and really hurt and really just like painful sometimes, mm -hmm. I think I also just realized the urgency in mental health and that like it was something that um, that I wanted to figure out um, yeah. because, you know, I finally lost somebody that I cared so much about because of mental health. And I was like, okay, I want, I want to figure this out. And, um, 
And eventually that led to me picking up the phone and making a counseling appointment and like finally like taking those steps. And mm-hmm. when I made that first counseling appointment, I literally like cried to the person on the phone. And I was just, I felt like this like weight had been like yeah. lifted off of my shoulders. And it was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Finally, like finally I can talk to somebody. Um, and I definitely, something that was important to me was a Christian-based counselor. I wanted somebody yeah. that was going to, um, that was going to guide me biblically. And so, um, and it just, it felt like such a step in the right direction. And I definitely don't think that that was all me. I think that that was like the Lord's hand in it. I think that the Lord, um, the Lord provides us these resources and I'm going to talk so much more about that, but I think that like, like these resources and these tools are so critical, um, to like really start caring for ourselves mentally. Um, and so I think, you know, life is hard and life is messy and painful, but like, um, we have so many tools and resources. It's just, it really does come down to like overcoming those stigmas. Yes. And overcoming those stigmas and not letting the anxiety rule your life. Cause like you Mm -hmm. said, like for a long time, you knew you had anxiety, but like it ruled your life. Mm -hmm. It revolved around anxiety. It was the same for me. Like, Oh, if I ate a certain thing, you know, would my stomach hurt or my stomach was always hurting. And it's because it was anxiety. It ruled Mm -hmm. my life. I didn't run a race. I ran cross country and track in um, high school and I didn't run a race because I was having a panic attack. And I didn't even know it, but looking back, it was a panic attack over what, because I didn't want to be last, or I was afraid of what people might think of me or my team or, you know, and it's the judgment of people. Yes, but it's also your anxiety. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because this will lead to avenues in advocacy for other people who are voiceless in their situation, who maybe have a family who don't agree with mental health. So they don't have resources. Um, And I just think educating everybody as a whole is what's really important. And you don't have, and I just want to throw this out there because I feel like recently I've been seeing a lot of this is you don't have to be famous. You don't have to have a following to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. It's that is called the bystander effect. And it's where we think that other people will do it because there's a lot of us. And that is not correct. um, Because then we think that about the next person, the next person, just because we don't have a following doesn't mean we can't stand up and um, for what we believe in. And so if you believe in something, stand up, make an Instagram account, make a Facebook account, a TikTok, or just, you can easily make your own podcast um, and talk about it because talking is our first step. And so I'm really glad we're doing this today. Thank you again, Emma, for coming on. And I think we're going to go on to our next question, if that's okay. Or do you want to add anything? No. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. So how does Christianity play a role in your mental health journey? Um, I know you said before you're, um, you felt like God gave you these resources and I'm also a believer. And so I think this conversation can be really cool. So do you want to start? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my faith is like the number one thing in my life. And, and so I would say that it dictates how I live my life, how I love others, how I do literally everything. Um, and so I would be crazy to sit here and say that, my faith doesn't have any part in my mental health because it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there is like this huge misconception. And like I said, I work with high school girls. Um, and so like, this is a conversation that I think we have all the time. Um, but there's like this big misconception that once you start following Jesus, um, life is just sunshines and cupcakes. Um, and I wish that that was true. Um, but it just isn't the case. And, and so, and that's because we live in just this broken world and, and that's our reality. 
but that doesn't change um the faithfulness of God and um and so I think that like the Lord he gives so much joy and love and peace and he is fulfilling um but he didn't promise a life without heartache and without pain um he kind of just promised a hand to hold on to through that and so I think that it's important to recognize that struggling with mental health is not an absence of the Lord. It's not the Lord not being present or the Lord not being faithful in our lives. Um, it's just the reality of living in a world that is separate from him. Um, and so I think, I think that there's just like these big misconceptions, um, that like when you start following the Lord, um, life is immediately easy and your anxiety goes away or your depression goes away. Um, but unfortunately that's just not the case, but now we have the ultimate provider that gets to walk alongside us with that and hold our hand alongside that. And so I just think that that's like an important distinction. Um, I know on social media, it can look like everyone's lives are together and put perfectly together. And I follow a lot of like Christian bloggers um, and love them. But, you know, sometimes I do think that there is a lack of authenticity about like, you know, life isn't perfect. Um, and I think when you see that, it can make you think that you're doing it wrong or that you have a lack of faith when you're seeing these people posting on social media and, you know, they are being obedient to the Lord and they just have all these blessings. And it's like, well, I'm being obedient. I feel committed to the Lord, but I'm not seeing the benefit. And that's just not the case. Like the Lord's always faithful. The Lord's always going to be good. Um, but sometimes we have to go through tribulations and trials in order to rejoice in that suffering. Um, and that like takes time and that just, it can, it takes continued obedience. Um, but I do think that um, I think that we've gotten better on social media. I do feel like there's been a little bit more authenticity, but I'd love to see more. Um, I do too. And, and I could be better about it. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, but, um, with us and here I am editing my pictures. I mean, I'm, right. I'm, I call the spots on the cow, but I'm still, the spots. <laughs> I still do it, but that's because we're human and we have grace towards others. So let's have grace towards ourselves. Like you Amen. said, I feel like social media has gotten better. And I, I believe that I do, but now since social media is taking over the world, I mean, social media started to get really big when I was in fifth grade. And then now it's like literally taking over the world. You can do anything with social media, mm -hmm. um, which is awesome, but also a curse. And so if we are more authentic, then we can see other people being more authentic and being like, okay, she is happy and joyful all the time. Well, I want what she has. Like, what does she have? You know, and we can start actually being the advocates and the joyful people we want to be right. because yes, life is crazy and messy, but it's also beautiful. And we have all these gifts from God and from other people. Um, and I think that we sometimes look over them because like Emma said, we think, oh, we follow the Lord. Oh, our lives are sunshines and rainbows, but like, we still have those trials. Um, and it's just who we have beside us when we have those trials, which I love. Um, because whenever I start to feel anxious, I just start to pray and, or I like go to Psalms because Psalms is all about anxiety and depression. And so I start to read Psalms. Um, mm -hmm. but I think we need to eliminate some of the stigmas around Christianity and that, um, but within anything, there are stigmas. So I just want to lay that out there. I'm not just pinpointing on Christianity. No, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the next question talks about issues and stigmas around Christianity. So we can yeah. totally jump into that. Yeah, let's um, do it. What are some issues and stigmas around Christianity and mental health, Emma? 
that you see in your daily life. Let's oh boy. Life, and then we can, and then we can go broader because it starts within our community. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, um, I think that this is a huge topic and it's a really big conversation that mm-hmm. more and more people are having, I've been seeing, um, which I can appreciate, but mm-hmm. I think it's like really controversial and I don't, I don't really know why. I don't think it needs to be. I was going to um, say, why do you think it's controversial? Because we're every, if everybody was just kind, we could have simple conversations face right, to face right. like this. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I wish I had the answer for why it's controversial. I think that, I think it really, it just starts with a lack of vulnerability. I struggle with vulnerability. I think a lot of the people that are like pointing fingers are people that are struggling maybe too, but they just like, aren't ready to be honest. Because again, I believed every stigma in the book. Um, I was raised like tough, like, you know, you don't dust off the dirt and get up and start going. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, I, I pushed all my emotions, all my feelings to the, to the back burner, Mm -hmm. um, my entire life. Yeah. But I think as far as like the Christian community goes, um, I, you know, this is my life philosophy, but like having the Lord's spirit in my heart and anyone's heart is a hundred percent sustaining and fulfilling like that. There's no question there. Um, the Lord is so much more powerful than any earthly thing that we might face. Any, any, anything that the enemy puts in our heads, the lies that we believe about ourselves, um, the battles that we're facing internally, but, for a long time, um, I was so scared to use any outside resources for help because I thought that that would make me a bad follower of Jesus. Um, I believed that if I turned to anything, then that meant I wasn't putting my faith in Jesus. And I mean, I have literally heard people say that if you struggle with anxiety, then you are not putting your faith in God. And I like that kind of makes me nauseous to even say out loud Wow. because I have struggled with anxiety myself. And so like that felt like a direct punch to the gut. That um, is bold to say. Right. I know. But like as believers, we were never meant to live in this endless cycle of highs and lows. We were not meant to live in this broken world. Um, but I would say that at some of my highest highs, um, the enemy came right in because the enemy comes to kill and destroy. Um, and so I think as a believer, it is like critical that we like work to find healing um, and the healing comes from the Lord. Um, and so, you know, we need to run to the Lord. We need to run in his direction each and every time, not to the earthly things. Um, but we also need to like figure out a way to break the cycle with the Lord. And I think that that means sometimes finding wise counsel, that's going to point us back to him. And that can come in the form of counseling that can come in the form of mentorship that can come in the form of like so many different things. Um, But I think that it is so important because these resources and these tools that I believe are like gifts from God are not, it's not us saying, okay, I am going to go to counseling so that I can figure out my life myself and I can do this all by myself. I don't think that that's what this is at all. I think that this is seeking somebody that's going to continue to point us back to the Lord and also help us kind of put on the glasses and get a new, like get a clear image of the gospel and the goodness that comes in life with the Lord. I think look at Psalms, right? Exactly. There's so many, there's so many promises in Psalms and like, right. And so like, I just, I hate the narrative that like using any of these like resources that we've been given means that we're not trusting the Lord because that's not it. When I go to counseling, 
I'm trying to get a clear image of the goodness in life with the Lord. Yeah. And that's, that is why I go to counseling so that because anxiety and depression, it is, it makes life so blurry and it makes life so yeah. fuzzy. Um, and that is because that is the enemy putting lies in our heads, putting, filling our head with these, these things that are not true, the things that are opposite of truth. And, and so I think that using these tools and resources, all it does is it helps us run back into the father's arms. It helps us see him so much more clear. And, and I just think that it helps us, it helps us be and do what we were created for. And there's just a lot of stigmas that if you like, you should just be able to pray and it'll all go away. And like, I mean, I believe in the power of prayer hundred percent, but I also believe that life is really messy and life is really hard. And, and sometimes that means leaning on people that are going to point you back to him. So, and I also don't like the stigma of, oh, you go see a counselor, you're batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We're not. Yeah. We are just exhausting our resources. Like mm-hmm. we're using our resources. I mean, these people have jobs for a reason. They went to school for this. Maybe they have even struggled with mental um, illness themselves. And so they want people to feel at peace. And that's also what God wanted. God didn't want Adam and Eve to go do what they did in the garden. They mm-hmm. want, he wanted this perfect world. And because sin entered it, now we're living in a sinful world. Mm-hmm. And that like Emma said that's the devil every time we have anxiety that's the devil God does not want things to harm us God wants Mm -hmm. us to cherish memories to be loved and to know that we are loved by him so every time the devil comes in and says oh you're not good enough or oh why are you wearing that outfit and that gives us anxiety that's from the devil that's not from God and Mm -hmm. I think that's also a stigma of mental health within Christian community too is Yes, we're all in these groups, like Bible studies and other organizations, but we don't talk about mental health. Do you think, Emma, we should start talking about mental health within our groups? Like, do you talk about it with your girls? Like, do you see in the community group that you're in, do you guys talk about it? Or is it still hush hush, like you deal with it on your own? I think, um, well, I think that that's such a good question because like my friends in my community, um, like other college, other college students. Um, like I think that was honestly, that was one of the biggest turning points was when I, when I was too ashamed to even talk to the people that I knew loved and cared for me about what was going on in my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, that was kind of like the turning point because it is something that we should all feel comfortable talking about. But for some reason, I think we're all a little nervous. I think we're all like a little bit like scared and a little bit ashamed, but I wholeheartedly know that my friends and my community would, um, would love and accept me and would honestly walk alongside me in it a hundred percent. So I think, I think that it's something that we all want to talk about, but I think, I think somebody just has to start the conversation. Um, and then I would say with my, with my high school girls, um, I do, I do think that we talk a little bit more about it, but something that I've always struggled with, with them is like me putting on a front or like me putting on like yeah. the, like, okay, what's, ha- what's happening in your life? Yes. But like, I'm fine. <laughs> and it's like, I'm fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. Right. <laughs> right. So, like, her crumbling like a cookie. Yeah. So it's, I just think that, I think that it takes somebody starting the conversation and and I hope, I hope that I can be that person maybe if I need to be, um, but just somebody to say like, Hey, I'm actually not doing okay. 
And then I just think it'll be like a domino effect. And I think then like we will all have like feel the feel the power and the like comfort in like just being totally a hundred percent transparent. Vulnerability is one of the hardest things. I I don't always do what I preach. I will tell my girls till the day I die about how beautiful vulnerability is, but then I am like the worst at it. And I I, I hope that recognizing is the first step in getting better. But I yeah, it's it just I need one to... step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so our other question is how do you think our parents' generation can be more forthcoming about being open to mental health? This is a very, very relatable question. <laughs> Um, I think, I think it's like a hard thing to talk about because I 100% get why like our parents' generation isn't forthcoming about it. Um, after conversations I've had with like people that are like in that generation, in that age group, mm-hmm. mental health was never talked about. Like yeah. it was hush, hush, never, never say a peep. Um, like, I mean, even if like, I mean, I've heard of like stories where like, even if like people like did commit suicide, like they didn't even talk about it. And, and it's just like, that is so hard for me to hear because it's like, like those are conversations that you need to be having. Um, But people didn't check in with each other. It wasn't some, it was like something that everyone got embarrassed about and it was so like taboo. And, and so I think like, I, I guess something that like, I think is really important is like, as somebody that's like in I'm like, what are we, Gen X? I think as somebody that's in Gen X, like I think the biggest thing I would say is like have grace for people in older generations that are struggling to like understand mental health Mm -hmm. um, because, and like just have, like have so much grace and understanding for them because they probably like most likely are like, they have struggles themselves every now and then and they're like too nervous or scared to even admit it. And so like, it's just like, it's one of those things that it's, we kind of just have to be the one to like pick the, like pick the battle and like start the conversation. But I would say that go into those conversations, like with grace and with like transparency and like be willing to like have kind of like a, a back and forth conversation about it, because it is something that is so hard to overcome um, the stigmas around that generation. And so I just think that start the conversation. And then my hope is that like, we're more surprised about the responses that we get and the love and acceptance that we receive. Um, but yeah, I just think it starts with being raw and honest, um, and vulnerable, but in a way that's really loving and really accepting. And I think Uh, it's not going to take one conversation. It's going to take multiple. And I think people Mm -hmm. like to think, Oh, it'll take one felt swoop, but that swoop may be going for a little while because they've gone through generations of not talking and maybe they had a incident or a mental health um or mental illness and mm-hmm. it was undiagnosed for all of these years and maybe that's why they don't like to talk about it. we also have to give them grace but we also have to keep them accountable 100 percent. we need accountability and we need grace ourselves who are struggling so right. it's like that very fine line but also they are they are trying to get educated because they weren't educated like we are you know right 100 percent. it's not yeah it's not one of those things that you just like wake up one morning and all of a sudden you are like the biggest mental health advocate. I don't think so at all. Because again, (laughs) I believe every stigma in the book and it took, it took a long time for me to really come to terms with the fact that like, I want, like I needed to utilize resources and I needed to, to start talking about and start having the hard conversations. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else on this? I don't, I mean, 
yeah, I, I think that like the biggest thing is just continue loving your parents. Um, cause I think, I think sometimes like when you are met with rejection or when you're met with like, just like a little bit of a lack of support in this, I think it could be really easy to just be angry and be frustrated. And you're hundred percent right that we need to like hold people accountable. But I think also, again, just like entering into these conversations, like with, with kind of like an open, open palm situation. Like, yeah, I, I want this for you. Like, I want this so that you can grow as a person. I don't like, I don't need the approval from you to like, to figure my own mental health journey out myself. But I want you to like, be able to, you know, be mentally healthy yourself. And so this is kind of just like a, I want you to grow as a person. I don't need you to like, to approve of me, which is something that's very hard to balance. Let me tell you, but um, I like that the support is nice, obviously. Yes. We love support. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you think joy and happiness are the same? Good question. Or are they different or (laughs) because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm fine. I'm happy with my life. I'm okay. But then scripture talks about joy all the time. So And and joy is a gift of the spirit. And so it's like, okay, well, if you like have the Holy Spirit within you, then you have joy. But like, there's the, yeah, this is like a loaded question. Um, I would say absolutely not. I don't think joy and happiness are the same. Um, I think that joy is a condition. I think it's a state. Um, And I think that happiness is really temporary. And I think so much of our life, we are searching for um, like we're searching for like the temporary happiness, um, whether that's in relationships or approval from people or school or whatever. I think that we're just chasing, chasing, chasing happiness. Um, when in reality, joy comes from the Lord. Um, and so I think, I think that the biggest thing though, that I've learned over my mental health journey is that like joy and suffering can coexist um and they can they can be in the same story and they're in my story and they're in most people's stories I think I don't think that it's this black and white one without the other um for so much of my life I would walk into a room and I felt the like innate pressure to be the happy-go-lucky joyful person in the room um even in the seasons in my life when I was in like in the midst of deep heartache and grief. Um, And so I think it took a long time for me to kind of come to terms with the fact that I was really nurturing. I was focusing so much on the parts of myself that I loved. Like this sounds like so cheesy, but like literally the parts of myself that felt like sunshine. I only cared about those parts and I wanted, I wanted everyone else to see those parts and that was it. But in the process, I like deeply neglected the parts of myself that were hurting and the parts of myself that were in need of a savior. Yeah. I mean, cause if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for that heartache. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to put my hope and my trust in Jesus. And so I think it, it took a long time for me to realize, but, but yeah, I would say that joy and happiness are very different and joy and suffering can a hundred percent coexist in the same situation, in the same story, because those times in my life when I was like, grief stricken and like heart and I had just like the biggest heartache I still was full of joy because I have a God that loves me immensely and a God that sees me as his beloved and so that brings me joy but that doesn't mean that life isn't hard and so I I do I think that there's just this big 
this big difference. And I think that we all need to start talking about the difference a little bit more. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you say, because you can be happy, but it's like to the point where people need to start asking, like, are you really happy? Are mm-hmm. you service level happy? Because there's a big difference. Right. Um, do you have like a Bible verse or anything that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, regarding like joy, I think um, in Romans mm-hmm. 5, it talks about our suffering and like rejoicing and suffering. Yeah. Um, but it says, it says not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy spirit whom he has given us. Um, and I love this scripture, but I think it could easily be misinterpreted. Um, I think that if you read it, you could hear that we should just go parade around and celebrating in the midst of heartache and grief and pain. Um, but I don't think that that is what this is saying. I think that, um, I think that what like Paul is saying in this is that like, there's this sense of awareness that comes in the midst of suffering that this, this trial, this thing that I'm enduring, it's going to produce something of value. Um, and I think that that is like, that's such a beautiful outlook to have. Um, because, that's like, and that's a really hard outlook to have, I think. Um, but I think it produces suffering produces something that's worthwhile. And there are so many times that like people that I've looked up to people that, um, are just like women of God that I love. And they, they just talk about like some of the the hardest times in their life, but they talk so highly on them because they learned so much in those seasons and they grew so much in those seasons. And I just think uncomfortable, we grow when we're our shortcomings we grow in leaning on the lord we don't grow when we're just in comfortable situations living our everyday Mm -hmm. life you know Uh, yeah we would be in an alternate universe because yeah and so i think that what paul is saying is that like those are the times where we get to rejoice um and maybe it's not rejoicing right away i don't think that this means that you have to like immediately be like in your lowest point and just be like I'm so like, I'm so thankful for this because I don't think that that's realistic either, but I think that rejoicing and suffering comes with time. Um, and I think that, that with time we get to see the blessing that came, um, even in our lowest lows. And so I think I, I love Romans. Um, Paul says it like it is in like all of Romans. Um, and so I think that, I think that we get to turn to scripture like this when we are feeling a little bit hopeless. And I think we get to put our hope in something that is so much greater than anything on this earth. Um, and that is something I'm thankful for. Um, but yeah, if we did it by ourselves, I mean, we would be lost. Um, but yeah, I love that verse. We read over in Bible study and I was like, this is, this is good. This is good. We're getting ready to go through exams and Christmas and everything is about to get so crazy. And so just to remember to point your eyes on Jesus, because He's the only one that can get us through things. Um, But thank you so much, Emma, for coming on. I think that's it. Do you have any last remarks or anything? No, just thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. This like (laughs) happened. Emma was like, do you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, can I be on it? And I was like, yeah, girl, come on. I love, I love. I know. I said, can I be on it? And then you were like, yeah, you texted me and I was like, 
oh I yeah and then I text her and she's like wait are you for real and I'm like yeah girl come on <laughs> so I'm glad this worked out but remember to be kind to yourself be kind to others you don't ever know what anybody's going through and remember to be thankful for all the things that you have in your life and to be thankful for the people in your life and to go be the change you want to see in the world because it starts with us. We can change by um, one conversation at a time and one action by a time. So if you want to see change in your community, it starts with you and you can go do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving and we'll be back for more episodes of You're Your Biggest Critic podcast. Bye guys. Bye.